Hello, everybody, and welcome in to a Bragging Rights edition of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined as always by Dave Matter from the Columbia Bureau, and Dave will be on his way to St. Louis here shortly to cover Illinois-Missouri Bragging Rights game Saturday. Um, we're going to talk mostly Bragging Rights here, Dave, but part of that is kind of the annual um, pre-game media meeting with the football coach, and it's a new one this year. Eli Drinkwitz, you had a chance to talk with him about signing day. You had a, a chance to kind of, uh, kind of, are getting a chance to get to know him a little bit as he makes the rounds in Columbia. You had the coverage in the Post Dispatch. This this recruiting class for Drinkwitz was really um, a scrambled one because you're trying to both recruit the players that are already on the roster. You're trying to re-recruit the commitments who are wondering what the heck's going on after a coaching change and. He seemed to make the uh, make the most out of a out of a tough situation. Did lose a couple guys that were 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 kind of flaky after Odom was fired, but for the most part kept the class together. What just, just let's start with with Drinkwitz because we're going to talk to him first Saturday, and then we'll talk hoops. Your impression of of the job he did in his first kind of uh, asterisk uh, carrying signing class due to the timing and the early signing period, and his uh, his thoughts on it after you had a chance to talk with him. Yeah, you know. Thanks to this new early signing period, which I guess it's not new anymore, so this is the third year they've done it. When you have a new hire, it really puts those guys under the gun. Um, and like he said on Wednesday, there's not enough time to go out and recruit anybody new. All you can really do is scramble to try to hold the class together that the previous coach uh, was able to get as far as commitments go. I think at, at its peak, Missouri had 17 commitments. Uh, a few of those guys backed off right away when the coaching change was made. They ended up signing 10 on Wednesday. Drinkwitz, it, it was interesting. He said, you know, he had his press conference last Tuesday. He said at, at, later that night, he sat down with basically his skeleton staff of, of recruiting staffers, and they went through all the commitments, and they kind of prioritized them. Okay, who do we really want out of this group? What do we need to do to keep them on board? when are we going to go visit them? And right and early the next morning, he was on the road to Knoxville, Tennessee, to try to shore up Elijah Young, which is a really exciting running back out of, out of Knoxville, who's had some decent offers. They were able to keep him on board. Then he made the rounds in St. Louis on Thursday. They kept most of the players from the St. Louis area who, who had committed. Now, granted, Odom didn't do a very good job of getting the best players in St. Louis, but at that point, it was just too late for Drinkwitz to get any of those guys. Um, but he was able to secure the, the four from the area who had committed. Uh, and then they got most of the other guys from other states uh, who had been committed. They, they got most of them in town on an official visits last weekend. And other than the two you, you kind of alluded to that switched to Arkansas, uh, they ended up with, with those ten guys. And Drinkwitz even said on Wednesday, you know, there really weren't any surprises. For what he woke up and expected to have signed, um, they got those guys, and now it's a matter of that second signing date, which is February 5th, is a lot more important to Missouri than it than it has been to Missouri in the last couple of years when they would just kind of use that to fill out some holes. Well, now it's what they need to finish this class and, and really fill out some holes because there's, there's some glaring ones on this roster right now. The in-state players, Brady Cook of, of Chaminade, you've got Drake Heismeyer of Francis Howe, Mitchell Waters of Melville, and receiver Jay Macklin, obviously, of of the Macklin uh, of the Macklin family at at Kirkwood, and also the the guys that you mentioned. You mentioned Elijah Young, the running back. He also was able to hold on to JJ Hester from Tulsa, which is going to be one that's celebrated by the recruit next because he was the highest ranked 
player in the class. What about the guys that flipped to Arkansas, Dave? Is this uh, is this Barry Odom uh, tampering here? There's nothing against this of, of taking guys with you who are unsigned to your to your new school, but but could this pepper in a, a little rivalry to this uh, to this game that badly needs one? I think so. You know, Drinkwitz is coaches don't comment on guys that don't sign with them, so that's pretty standard. And he he again said there were no surprises, so I don't think he was shocked that those two guys, Dominique uh, Johnson, a running back from Crowley, Texas, who it was kind of a surprise when he first committed to Missouri back in the summer because he didn't have any other Power 5 offers, hardly any group of 5 offers. Uh, But they saw something that they liked, and he actually visited Missouri over the weekend. It seemed pretty solid that he was going to sign with Missouri. And then Ray Curry, a big offensive tackle from Memphis. Uh, That one makes a little bit more sense. Missouri's offensive line coach, Brad Davis, uh, he was the first hire – Sam Pittman made on the staff at Arkansas, and he was he was Curry's primary recruiter, and it, it seemed like Arkansas had been recruiting him for a while anyway, um, and I'm not sure how solid he really was on his commitment. So that's that's the price you pay for making a head coaching change. You're going to lose some guys, and especially when your head coach and your other assistants go somewhere else, um, you know you're at, you're at risk of losing some of them. The the Johnson situation was a little unusual. Um, there were some rumblings on Twitter from some family members that that Drinkwitz liked him as a linebacker instead of a running back. I got in touch with the head coach the other day who I had interviewed before in the past over the phone, and he was very uh, very stern. He was not going to make any comments about the situation. Clearly he wasn't very happy about it. But Drinkwitz seemed very happy that they got Elijah Young as their running back. So maybe all along they didn't want to take two, or they didn't want to take uh, Johnson as a running back. So, you know, good situation for the kid. He ends up at Arkansas. Maybe he'll he'll work out there and – and uh, you know, Drinkwood's got the guy he really wanted to play that position. The uh, the this next class, this next signing pair, will kind of show us more of what he can do and if he can make some some magic. But it doesn't sound like Dave that he's going to limit uh, the idea, limit himself from the idea of, of of approaching other players that are committed elsewhere if they're interested in Mizzou. And and that coaches kind of play that both ways. And most of them now, they, they recruit whoever is not signed. And sometimes coaches recruit guys who are signed if they think they might they might transfer. That's kind of frowned upon, although it does happen all the time. Uh, Drinkwitz, do you think he's going to have a chance to maybe flip some guys, kind of like uh, Arkansas had a couple guys flip on him? He might, but, you know, most kids that are committed and decided, they've already signed in this signing period. So most of the guys that will be available on the market for the February date are uncommitted. Or they're, if, if they have a, a school next to their name on the rival sites or 24-7 sports, well, for whatever reason, they didn't sign in, in December. So how committed really were they? I think you're going to see him maybe look at some grad transfers, look at the transfer portal, Look at the um, the junior college market and see what's out there. You know, he he was pretty blunt about it yesterday. He said, "I don't want to cast any stones at our current roster, but there are depth concerns at wide receiver, along the offensive line, and at safety. Uh, I, I think you could probably throw defensive end in there. They have they have guys at those positions at, at defensive end, but you know, no real standouts. And that was kind of a position again this year that struggled a little bit. So um, we'll see what he what he's got planned, but uh, when he mentions three positions specifically, you got to assume that's where he wants to uh, address some needs here. A couple cu- couple news 
bits of news on the coaching front. TCU co-offensive coordinator Curtis Looper confirms to the Star-Telegram that he's going to join Missouri's staff as an offensive coordinator. Now, this is not meaning that Drinkwitz is not going to call plays. That's his That's his role. He's going to call plays in Missouri. This could be a, a, re- a recruiting hire more than anything or, or you know, just to help it, it, with the offense. That's an interesting name. Obviously, Texas ties there. Um, you, you think that could help Missouri's brand, you know, kind of have they try to reestablish that pipeline into Texas. And then also on the other side of the football, Ryan Walters has been announced as Missouri's defensive coordinator. We knew he was going to stay on in some capacity. We weren't sure which one. He gets to keep the job that he had under Barry Odom. Yeah, it was. And, and Drinkwitz gave a really interesting answer yesterday on, on why he decided to keep Ryan. And, you know, it wasn't about, hey, he's been here, he knows this program. It was more about he ran a system that got good results. And if you can retain your defensive coordinator and you can retain a scheme that had some success, those guys on that side of the ball, they don't really have to learn anything in spring football. So, you know, the offensive guys are going to be learning a whole new system, all new terminology. Uh, It's going to be kind of a work in progress from January to August camp. Defense won't, they won't be behind now. So granted, there'll be some new players, you know, some new starters that we'll have to kind of catch up, but the teaching part of it, the installation of the defense, that's all already been done. So he, he really put a high value on that. Uh, and he also, this is one of his, his catchphrases, but he said it really applied here. Um, he said, Ryan fits the, the category, the characteristic of low ego, high output. And that's something that he really values and, and coaches that he wants to hire. So he, he obviously was around Ryan a little bit over the last week. Um, he, he asked around about him, I'm sure. Not sure he called Barry Odom for a recommendation, but I'm, I'm, I know he, he, he sought input from others, and he decided that this guy is a good personality fit for the staff. And, and more important than anything, he got results last year. Now, if Missouri defense was terrible you know, in, in 2019 and didn't show the progress that we saw most of the year, he's not making this decision. So that's the big part of it. Um, but I, I do think it's it's good for the guys on that side of the ball that you know they don't have to get used to a new coach, new system like the guys on offense will have to do. Yeah, so that, that's kind of where football stands now, and Drinkwitz will get a chance to kind of make an impression, another impression at the Bragging Rights game. He will be introduced, I'm sure, and, and fans will get a chance to uh, to applaud him. He does seem to. You know the energy that he's bringing to the job, the his willingness to go everywhere and be seen, and and he show some of this personality that you're starting to kind of starting to get a feel for, Dave. Um, that does seem to be received well by the fans. They like his energy. They like his enthusiasm. Any anything you can share with the listeners who haven't got a chance to really know Drinkwitz yet that you've kind of been able to pick up in your so far limited, but more than anybody else has interactions with him. Yeah, you know, he's got kind of a wry sense of humor. He's sharp. He's witty. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to babble on and waste people's time with a bunch of empty words and empty phrasing. He he really kind of gets to the point. He is uh, very calculated in what he says, and not necessarily in a, in a coach-speak cliche kind of way. I mean, he's got his catchphrases. He's got his, um, you know, he's got his his kind of system talk for what he does. But he is a guy that's very confident in what he's bringing to the table and his plan. He's not just showing up and saying, okay, we're going to figure this out and figure out how a system and we're going to put this together and take it day by day and sort of see how it all unfolds. 
he he has a plan in mind, and it, it's not just for his offense, for X's and O's, but how he's going to run this program. And I do think that's the difference between what we saw four years ago when Barry Odom took over. And Barry had a lot of ideas. He'd worked for a couple different head coaches, um, but he'd never been a head coach. He'd never sat in that seat before. And even though Trinkwitz only has 12 games of head coaching experience, he really comes across as a guy who has a plan that he's ready to implement and install and attack. And I think that should be promising when, when fans hear that. Just a very, very confident guy. He is not he's not lacking confidence in what he's about to do at Missouri. He's won Gary Pinkle over. Talking to Coach Pinkle, had an opportunity to catch up with him this week, and he couldn't stop raving about Drinkwitz. And, and he was really impressed with the, the plan that he had laid out. Um, you know, at his press conference, he was really impressed by the interactions that he had with him. Um, at his press conference and he said look he I think Gary's really appreciative that Drinkwitz kind of opened the door back for him to to be around and he said I don't want to interfere I don't want to be in the way but if anything I can help him with he I'm one phone call away for this guy so not a bad ally there in Gary Pinkle if Drinkwitz uh, decides to use it which it sounds like he'd be a little more interested in that than perhaps Barry Odom was as he wrestled with how to handle kind of the end of the Pinkle era. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think Gary, and I talked to Gary about this, you know, last week when the hire was made. He's like, you know, if there's some fans out there who, you know, kind of look at this guy's background and say, well, he's coming from App State. You know, guess what? Missouri hired a guy that came from Toledo, uh, you know, back in 2000. And there were some questions then, you know, when he brought this all staff from the Mid-American Conference. People called it an all, uh, a max staff because they compete in the Big 12. There were some questions and some um, people were a little dubious of, of that hire at the time, and that turned out to work out, you know, pretty good. So um, I, I think that's why Gary's um, really excited and interested in, in having any kind of role. I don't think he's not going to have an official capacity, but he can be a sounding board. And if you're Eli Drinkwitz, why would you not use that as an asset? I mean, not only does, Bear, does Gary, he knows coaching, obviously. He knows the SEC. He knows Missouri. He knows the university. He knows the politics that go on in Columbia and with the university system and the chancellor's office and all of that stuff that we saw, uh, you know, unfold during this hiring process. Gary knows knows that, and that I, I think he would be a, a valuable ally, especially since, you know, Drinkwitz is not keeping the the older, more veteran coaches on on the Missouri staff. He's keeping Brick Haley, who's been around three years. He's keeping Ryan Walters, been around five. Um, David Gibbs, he most likely sounds like he's going to keep. He's just been here for one year. There's no Andy Hill. There's no Cornell Ford. So I, I think it makes all the sense in the world to keep Gary, um, you know, in some kind of unofficial advisor capacity, just a sounding board, if anything. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry to see that those uh, that, that Coach Ford and Coach Hill are are going to be walking out the door. A lot of recruiting ties and and just history with the program there. That's a uh, you know, I don't. I don't. I think if you're Drinkwitz, you have to do what you think is best for your staff, and you really you can't say, "Well, a guy's been around a long time, so we have to keep him." And and I don't think that those guys fall in that category necessarily. But you've got to trust a coach to make you know to make his staff and to build it as he sees fit. You don't hire a guy and then tell him he's got to keep everybody. That's that's a good way to have a coach who's who doesn't have a staff with with everybody with two feet in. So not a knock on him, but am disappointed for. For those guys, and also too, I think just to want to send them off with the with the you know 
with a respect for how many years they put into that program. They were a part of a lot of winning football teams, a lot of good recruits. Uh, Missouri football wouldn't have had the success that it has had um, that it's trying to get back to without without the Andy Hills and the and the Coach Ford. So that should be mentioned here as well. Let's turn the page here quickly to hoops, Dave. Not even quickly. We we haven't talked about this bragging rights game and an interesting game because I feel like both teams are are at some degree saying, man, we we should be better record wise than we are entering this. Illinois is eight and three. Missouri is six and four. But Illinois has the tailwind of that awesome, you know, exciting win against Michigan after a really devastating late loss to Maryland. They clearly learned from that and got a very, very big win beneath their belt with Michigan. Missouri, of course, had the what they hoped was the rock bottom of their season with the loss to Charleston Southern, has bounced back from that, got a, got a nice win on the road at Temple, and then has taken care of business since then. But based on what I've watched, and this would agree with ESPN's projection on the matchup predictor here, Illinois is a better team. They give them a 64% chance to win this game and uh it seems like most of the uh most of the the picks will be for the Illini which I totally get partly because they've got two really good bigs in Georgie and Kofi down low who who have a chance to really make things hard for Jeremiah Tillman and get him into that foul trouble trap early in a game how do you view this one and uh, and what do you think the keys are going to be for Missouri to have a chance of, of beating Illinois on Saturday at Enterprise yeah, I, I agree with you. Illinois is the better team right now through 11 games. They've got the better resume. They've got a better win than Missouri has. They don't have that awful resume-crushing loss that Missouri has. Um, and I'm not going to say throw out the records in this game, but in this setting, crazy stuff can happen. Sure. These and games are usually these close. Teams, yeah, these teams, their style of play – I think this can be a, an ugly game, a grinded-out type game. You know, one thing that, that both teams don't do well is make three-pointers. So I don't know if one of them, even Illinois being the better team, can score a bunch of points in a flurry and run away with this. Missouri, when they are at their best, they are a very good defensive team. Now, that that's, they've lapsed in some games on that end of the floor. But I think with the intensity, with the environment, if it is anything like it was last year, I think that helps you on, on the defensive end play with the, that kind of intensity and focus. You know, we say this all the time, but I don't think it's ever, never been more true. Is Tillman is the is is the most important factor here for Missouri. Like you said, with the two big guys that Illinois has and how impressive they've looked, um, this cannot be a game where he's on the bench 30 seconds in with two fouls. Uh, otherwise, you know, there's – their strength becomes a greater strength and they've got really good guards too. I mean, you can make the case Illinois might have the three best players in this matchup. Yeah. Um, Missouri maybe has a little more depth, maybe. Uh, and, and I think Missouri's got guys that have played in this game. Now they've got some guys that are battle tested, you know, Javon Pickett, Torrance Watson, Xavier Pinson all got on the floor last year in this game. Um, they don't have a Jordan guys who last year kind of willed Missouri to that win. He just made, some gutsy plays that got the crowd into it. Um, this will be Drew Smith's first experience playing it. I think on the other hand, you know, Mark Smith has already been through it before. He got all the boos every time he touched the ball, and certainly he will again <laughs> on Saturday. But having gone through it once already, I think will be helpful for him. So I, 
I think it has the makings of a close game, not necessarily a pretty game. Um, I also think it means a lot more to Missouri than it does Illinois. You know, Illinois can lose this game and still be okay. Missouri, you lose this one, man, you're it's it's you're really struggling to find a way to make some headway then going into SEC season. I thought uh, last year at this game was when Javon Pickett kind of put his thumbprint on this team, and it would be curious to see if, if that kind of becomes his annual breakout game. Um, he seems to get up for, for this game as a, as a guy who's also, you know, from the St. Louis area. Um, Mark Smith, if he's got to, you know, basically what has to happen is Tillman has to be good Tillman, and they've got to have some guys who can who can hit some threes. Mark Smith uh, shooting 40.9% from behind the arc, he, he's got to be the guy who makes those shots reliably and consistently, and they've got to have a consistent amount of offense from there because if he's not hitting, then they're in trouble pretty quick against a team that can score like Illinois can if the defense isn't locked in. And that's kind of the second phase of this. Missouri can turn any game into a rock fight, and it loves to do that. But Illinois has got four guys that are averaging double digits um, on top of the bigs, which they would prefer to play through if at all possible. They've got guys like Iota Sumo on the perimeter who can, you know, they can light it up too. So I think the defense between the, between the three things I look at are defense that's got to be locked in and 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 engaged and 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 really on point from the start because they cannot have what happened at you know in Kansas City in those games against Charleston Southern where they get down by double digits to start the game and then spend the whole time trying to claw their way back. That will not that will not work for them in this game against this team. Tillman's the other factor, and then they got to hit some threes, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Missouri when when they get down like six, it feels like they're down twenty because <laughs> it's it's hard for them to claw back because offensively they just seem so challenged. And there's times where they want to go fast, they want to play up tempo, but they they just can't sustain it. And it it kind of goes against Conzo's nature. Um, he he says, you know, every once in a while, hey, we'd love to be up tempo and get that going, but then you watch them play and they. Might get a few transition baskets, but not many. Um, those easy baskets can help a team that's struggling to score in the half court, but it just doesn't. It's not their mo. So rebounding is going to be huge, obviously, when you play a team with Illinois size. I, just looking at the, and not to get too inside baseball here, or too inside basketball. Just looking at um, some of Illinois' Ken Palm numbers. One, the one that really stands out. They score sixty-one percent of their points on on two-point baskets which is kind of against the grain in college basketball these days. That's like ninth nationally. And they score only 18% of their points on three-pointers, which is 349th nationally. So they don't jack up or don't rely on a bunch of threes. Missouri's kind of the opposite of that. Like if they're not hitting threes, they struggle to score. And that's, you know, and they don't shoot the three very well outside of Mark Smith lately. So they've got a that that's a a, a different unique kind of matchup for them. Uh, we'll see what they can do. They've got to find another guy that can hit some shots. Torrance Watson, he's had one game where he shot well. Otherwise, he just cannot connect at all, cannot get hot. And he's basically their sixth man, their seventh man. So he's going to play minutes. It's just he, he has to be an asset offensively. Um, otherwise, you know, they really struggle to find scoring on the perimeter outside of Mark Smith. If I'm Conzo, I'm I'm telling Jeremiah Tillman this week, hey, this game, this game, a lot of people are going to view it as as you versus Kofi, and and it is it is true. I mean, the the true freshman 
from Jamaica at Illinois. He's averaging 15.5 points a game, 10.5 rebounds. He's blocking a shot and a half per game. He's being the player so far this season in his debut, Dave, that, that everybody hoped Jeremiah Tillman would be in year three, and he's outplaying right. Tillman. So if if Tillman if Tillman's looking for a challenge, uh, forget about the fans who are going to boo him and and all the the carryover from him switching from his commitment from Illinois to Mizzou. There's going to be a challenge directly on the court, and it's going to be the guy who who's trying to dunk over him or get him in foul trouble on the defensive end in this game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the foul trouble hasn't really been that much of an issue for Tillman this year. He hasn't fouled out of a game yet. It's not. Yeah, not it's not foul trouble in terms of to the total number of fouls. It, right. it's, it's, it's getting it's too early happens. ones and completely unplugging. Right, right. And even against Southern Illinois on Saturday, he didn't take his first shot until, I think, five minutes into the second half. And they were a really small team. Now, they were doubling him all the time. But I think he's so conscious of not getting an offensive foul or turning it over that he's he's quick to throw the ball away, which maybe is what he's being taught to do. But he's just a non-factor. He scored two points in 17 minutes against a small Southern Illinois team. So, um, they are at their best when when they're going to him and he's powering his way through without getting fouls and being an impact player offensively. And then you can feed off of that on the perimeter with Mark Smith or Pickett or Drew Smith hitting some threes. So um, they have the pieces. I'm still convinced they have the pieces to be a good offensive team. It's just not clicking with them. Well, big stage and a chance to do it Saturday, bright and early, noon start at the Enterprise Center. An interesting wrinkle to that game will be the early morning wake-up call and the, you know, very, very rarely do these guys start playing a game at noon. So we'll see how they handle that. We'll see how the crowd responds to it as well. Quickly, Dave, and, and then we'll run. I did want to give you a chance to to, to promote a story you're working on about Xavier Pinson, who um, we know him as the guy who steps on the court and you got to watch because he might, you know, he might deck a cheerleader with a basketball or he might make a pass that winds up on Sports Center. He's really, I, I would argue, the most exciting player to watch on this team because he's got a vision that is really rare. Reminds me kind of of, of, a, of a young Phil Pressey. We'll hopefully see it mature the longer he plays for Mizzou. But he's an exciting player, incredible bounce, and really an energy guy that I think Conzo Martin is beginning to trust more and more. Um, as this season progresses, he's got a really incredible backstory that you're working on um, to to kind of have a better uh, a better better story about who he is as a guy, where he came from for the Bragging Rights game. Yeah, he's been you know a guy that's really interested me since he came to Missouri. He plays with if you didn't know better, and maybe if you do know better, he he kind of plays with a scowl. He plays angry. He even admitted to me the other day we had a long interview that he does. You know, he's thinking so much about. His family, his background, he comes from a really rough neighborhood in the west side of Chicago, um, you know, a place that he, he he goes back and visits back home, but he doesn't stay very long because he knows it's just not the, the safest environment. And this, this opportunity to play college basketball means so much to him um, because it's a, it's, a, it's a pathway to a future, and it's a, it's a way out of, of his background, of, of the, that environment. And um, I, it really drives him. He's an incredibly driven kid, um, and he's he's, a, he's an impressive young man. He really is. And we we see the turnovers. We see the guy miss a three pointer. He's really struggling with his three point shot this year. And it's easy for fans and media to to you know kind of criticize and nitpick these kids. But we 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 know so little about where they come from and what what the real problems they have in their lives, and um, you know what makes these guys tick and what drives them 
and why maybe missing one shot or throwing a pass into the crowd isn't nearly as big of a deal to them as what they're faced with in, in reality. Um, but he's a, he's, he's a really interesting, driven guy. He's really opened up this year, and uh, I think that's been impressive. I mean, he was a kid, when he first got to Mizzou last year, he didn't even want to look you in the eye when you talk to him. And now he's, um, he's a young man. He's, he's, he's really come along in that way. I think Mizzou, R.J. Layton actually deserves some credit because he's worked with him a lot because he's, he's seen how sharp this guy is. And he's very insightful, too, talking about the game. Um, and, and he's, he's kind of come out of his shell more. So I was, I was really impressed with, with talking with him one-on-one the other day. And, and he also grew up a diehard Illinois fan, which adds another layer to this. D Brown is another great Illinois player from the past. He kind of grew up idolizing him a little bit because he was from the Chicago area too. Um, dreamed of playing for Illinois one day. And obviously that didn't happen, but he can, uh, he can play a role, a big role in that rivalry on Saturday. Looking forward to reading that and, and, and eager to, to see it in print and online at stltoday.com. Dave, we'll let, we'll let you run. We know you got a lot of stuff to work on. you got to get to St. Louis here soon as well. For folks who are checking out the podcast for the first time, thank you. And please do us a favor, subscribe. You can download the podcast. Very easy to find. Sign up as a subscriber. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Easy to find. Just go to stltoday.com slash podcast. Even easier if you use apple whatever you use for your podcasting preferences just search for the i am a tigers podcast and and it should pop up there we appreciate the support and thank you for uh for listening and we hope that if you're coming into town or or making your way down to enterprise for the bragging rights game that you do it safely and that you enjoy the game um, no matter how it goes and also that you have a great holiday season with your family and, and happy new year to you all as well. Dave, we'll let you run. Thanks as always, and we'll see you here this weekend. All right. Sounds good.